0: Well, welcome to River Point and West End Online. We're so glad you're here. We're one church in four locations now. We wanna say hello to everybody at the West End Campus, those at the Richmond Campus. And we're broadcasting today from our Missouri City Campus, a beautiful facility. Our fourth campus is actually online. And my mom is in charge of that. So hello, mom. I'm glad you're watching today. Well, as you've just heard from our musicians, we're beginning a brand new series as we begin a brand new month in June. And uh, we're doing a thing called Music to My Ears. And I was thinking about this because there are certain songs that come on the radio. As soon as that first chord is hit, you know what song it is, and it does something to you emotionally. Now, I graduated high school in the early 80s, so I grew up on 70s rock and roll. So when those heavy metal kind of rock and roll riffs come, it just does something for me. It grabs me. So I've asked Justin to come today to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about so you can kind of get a feel for music to my ears. So, Justin, do you know any famous kind of riffs that you can help us with to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about? Yeah, let's see. Perfect. Guns and Roses, right? Sweet child of mine. Love that. You got anything else? Deep purple. I know many of you are out there right now biting your bottom lip. You know, just, mm. yeah, I get it. That's happening. How about one more? Just one more, Justin. I know you're singing now, Back in Black. Well, we're still at church, so don't, don't you forget that. So listen, thank you, Justin, so much. You did a great job. Everybody clap for yeah, yeah, Justin. one more. You know. one more. Hendrix, then. Jimmy Hendrix. When was the last time you heard Jimmy Hendrix at church? Great job. Justin, thank you again. Thank you so much for doing that. That was so great. Amen. Um, done? All right. right. Thank you. We get it, Justin. You're a real good guitar player. Get it. Well, now maybe you understand a little bit more about Music to my ears. Those are the songs I grew up on. And um, even though Justin kind of took over there, you get what we're talking about for sure. A song comes on and it gives you that adrenaline rush, right? It's that certain thing in a relationship um, or a certain time in a relationship or a certain moment that happens. And all of a sudden you hear this song and it connects with your life in some place. Well, here's the thing that we began to uh, talk about as we talked about this series is that God wants us to hear certain things, and it's supposed to give us that same uh, emotional connection. There are certain things that are taught, certain truths, and certain things that God has said that has allowed us to go, oh, that's music to my ears. I love hearing that. That's amazing, right? So uh, I want to start today with a really simple phrase, that when you hear this phrase, uh, it's music to your ears. It's exactly what you need to hear. Now, I want to play just a quick deal. My grandchildren sent me because this is music to my ears. I love you, pappy. I love you too, baby. Bo and Ella saying, I love you, Pappy. That is music to my ears. And we need to hear that phrase, I love you. That phrase feeds our soul. It's the way God has built you. Now, we know this. Here's a famous passage of Scripture. Even if you're not a follower of Christ, but you're tuning in today, you've heard this Scripture. I'm sure it's John chapter 3, verse 16. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life or everlasting life. So love is an action verb always in the Bible. And so the phrase that is music to our ears is, I love you. We've all had those moments in our life where we felt that nobody loves us or nobody notices us or nobody understands us. And that's the worst feeling in the world. In fact, God knew that because he created you and me. He built us to require the requirement in his uh, building of us was the fact that we need to experience love and from other people, but also from him as a creator. That's the design. I don't know if you know this or not, but the purpose of your existence really is to have fellowship with the one who created you. He wants you to have a loving relationship With himself, and so John three sixteen is is uh, uh, is is his statement of "I love you," and we read it oftentimes like a statement in history or a bumper sticker that we buy in a Christian bookstore, but really it's the sincere voice of God saying, "Listen, I love you." And I know we don't feel that all the time, but I want you to hear it today. In fact, what you need to do, wherever you're watching, stop what you're doing right now, turn to the person with you, okay, and just say, I love you. Ready? Here we go. One, look them in the eye, look them in the eye and say, here it is. One, two, three. I love you. Now, if you're alone, you should text somebody, I love you. And if this is your first date and somehow you're watching this, it's very awkward for you. And I'm sorry about that. But you get this idea. You see, the reason we doubt God's love for us so oftentimes is because of the way we feel about ourselves. Because we have this, uh, we have a bit of a hard time loving ourselves or seeing ourselves the way God sees us. And most of us know how unlovey, unlovely, unlovely, we can be, how many mistakes, how imperfect we are. And because we have a hard time loving ourselves or accepting love because of these issues in our life, we have a very difficult time believing that a perfect, all-knowing God could really love us. It blocks us from hearing, I love you, uh, 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 really deep parts of our life, not only from God, but from other people, right? And so God wants us to hear that today. So we have to do some work. We have to do some work in our heart and life to figure out why can't we experience love from other people or love from God? What's going on inside of us, right? So, hey, God says he loved the world. So I always want to encourage you today when he says God so loved the world, he had you in mind. He he understood you. He knows all about you. He knows all about those terrible decisions, that bad mistake, all that stuff that you're ashamed of that keeps you from hearing this. He knows about that and he says, I love you anyway. In fact, one of my favorite passages of scripture is Romans chapter five, verse eight. It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we know Christ died for us because God so loved the world that he gave his son. So while we were yet sinners, in other words, God is not waiting for you and I to get to a place in our life where we've reached some level of perfection or even consistency, right? He's just decided based on his character that he created you to have a loving relationship with you. And he loves you so much that he gave his son so that you could have a good life here on earth and an eternal life after this earth is over. The motivation that God has to connect with you is love. Now, I thought, I didn't go to church much growing up, quite frankly. And so I always thought that God's goal for me was to get me to behave. That was kind of my parents' goal, right? Every parent wants their children to behave. But... God's goal isn't to get you to behave. He first and foremost wants to capture your heart and for you to come to grips with this idea that the one that created you loves you, has a design for you, and he wants this relationship with you. So your view of God often... Uh, depends on how you grew up, right? It it it, it, grew, it, it deals with your uh, father issues. That maybe you grew up in a religious tradition that that taught the fear of God as a recurring theme and. And you kept going to church. When I did go to church a little bit in high school, I realized that I would, it, when I would try to uh, keep the rules and do what the pastor says, that I would come back the following week and there was another set of rules and more to do. And I just got tired. I just couldn't do enough. I just couldn't keep up with the list. And it turned into this performance thing that God expects us to do something. And then the pastor would use this. This is what really grates me. I hope you don't ever hear this. Um, from me. I'm sure I've said it, but they, they, they would say things like, if you really love God, then you'll do this. And what happens oftentimes, it's either you'll give your money or you'll share your faith or you'll show up for Sunday school. And what we try to do is to prove our love to God. So maybe it's your pastor or a parent growing up that's just caused you to say, I can't be good enough to earn God's love. So you just quit trying those daddy issues that keep coming up. And it keeps us from the good stuff, that God just loves you the way you are. Here's what you need to know. Listen, any performance-based relationship, which is the idea that you have to earn somebody's affection or earn somebody's love, well, that is dysfunctional by definition, and it lacks intimacy. If you have to perform to get my attention, if you have to perform to get my love, you'll never get it completely. And God doesn't act like that. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Regardless of whether you believe in his son or whether you don't believe in his son, he acted in love. So he wants you to experience unconditional love. He wants you to um, experience his sacrificial love regardless, this is the scandal of the cross, by the way, that God died for the world and yet not everybody in the world believes in a loving God. So, you know, from God, we miss the joy of knowing our creator because oftentimes we've elevated this um, idea of a relationship with him to a fear base and it becomes distant and becomes this performance-based deal. And you just get tired, I know I did. There was a time even after I became a Christian in college, I just couldn't go to church anymore because it was like, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. And I just couldn't do it anymore. And real loving relationships are about what you experience. It's not what you do to earn. It's not. And love is the motivation. In fact, when God wanted to motivate us to behave in a certain way, or wanted us to act in a certain way, or come follow him in life. He used love as the motivation, not fear. Now, maybe you grew up in a hellfire and damnation kind of church, where uh, you believed that if you didn't act right, that lightning would happen, and you got into this performance exchange kind of relationship with God that you felt like if you were really, really good, that God owed you something, and you were trying to leverage God by your good behavior or your love and God's going, no, no, no. I want you to be motivated by love, not by fear. In fact, 1 John 4, 18 says it this way. There is no fear in love. Now he's talking about perfect love there, God's love, divine love. There's no fear in love. But perfect love, it drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Fear has to do with punishment. And so God wants to drive out the fear in your life. You're never gonna be intimate with anybody you're scared of. It just doesn't happen. And, and some of us grew up in homes like that where you felt like you were gonna on, step on some sort of landmine, emotional landmine. And when that bomb went off, it just caused so much havoc and chaos in your life. So you learned growing up, you learned how to, walk around and avoid those landmines. And what happened there is you figured out how to cope, but you didn't experience unconditional love. You didn't experience healthy love. And that happens to a lot of us. God wants to uh, us to experience this love that he has for us that's unconditional and complete and sacrificial, and it's not fear-based. He wants you to hear today this music to my ears. I love you. I mean, I remember when that happened, um, with me in high school, you know, I had uh, done a lot of things that I was really ashamed of and I didn't fit in with the church crowd at all. And I didn't even have any aspirations of keeping the rules because I knew I couldn't. And so, um, but I got to a desperate place in my life and I got to this place and I realized, uh, I think really God does love me. And and I, I I doubted that for so long because I didn't even love the myself. I didn't love um, what I was doing. And I thought, how could God really love me? God's got to be disappointed in me. And I kind of got got to hearing from a friend of mine, you know, no, God doesn't look at you the way you look at you. God looks at you differently. He looks at you uh, really accurately, that you're a created being in His image, and He loves you, and He created you for a loving relationship. And all that stuff that in my life that Uh, shame, all that shame in my life that was keeping me from experiencing those music to my ears words, I love you. He took care of that by sending his son, Jesus. And when he died on the cross and was buried and rose again, I could give all my shame. So now God doesn't accept me because of me. God accepts me because of Jesus, his son. And it allowed this weight to be lifted off my shoulders. It allowed me to experience the love of the Father because the love of the Father was no longer dependent upon me. It was dependent upon him. So perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Now, everybody knows John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But the real hook in this passage of scripture is John 3, 17. It's an explanation that John gives us. He says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. This is a great red flag for you. So if you feel like um, God is a condemning God and God's condemned you, a lot of people have walked away from even a belief in God because they can't take what they perceive as condemnation. They've run into Christian people that condemn them or a church that condemns them or a pastor that condemns them. And they apply that to God. They say, oh, I can't... Listen, I can't live with a condemning God. And God is reassuring you today. He didn't come into the world to condemn you. He came in the world to save you from yourself. He came to save you from the punishment that comes with sin because, because all sin has to be dealt with. And He dealt with it on your behalf. So the most powerful motivation for following Jesus in this life is love. It's not fear. It's not ought to. It's not tradition. It's not this thing that I got to get up and go to church, or I got to get up and do this thing, or I got to give my money because that's what good Christians do. That's not a lasting motivation and certainly not fulfilling. But when we love someone, there's this internal motivation to serve that person and to please them. When we love someone, we're motivated to serve them and to please them. Now, listen, I I loved raising four children. I certainly love my grandchildren. But there's been this special season in Lisa and I's relationship now that we're empty nesters. We can go out to eat anytime we want, and it's so much cheaper. It's it's amazing. And we don't have to get a sitter, and we don't have to worry about the house burning down while we're out. I mean, and Lisa and I have— just over the last four or five years, rekindled this, um, well, we've switched from being on mission, raising kids to being together. And we found out we still love each other. We like to be together. Now we're not perfect. I don't want you to feel like, you know, we got it all together. We still fight, mostly her fault, but we still have these arguments and she's working on it. But the ideal here is that I'm motivated to serve her not so that she'll accept me as her husband or not that she'll love me more, but because I love her. I said this before, but it's the only illustration I can kind of come up with is consistent. She likes um, hot tea. So my favorite thing to do, and I know this is crazy, is to fix her tea every morning. Now that doesn't make me a great person. It's just that I love her so much and I know she wants tea in the morning. And so it's not a big deal for me to turn on the teapot, heat up the water and pour it in a cup. And I bring it to her, and she likes that. And I'm not doing, so she'll go, oh, okay, we're going to have a good day together now because you did me a favor, I'll do you a favor. You see, any time you get into a scorekeeping situation with somebody, you're going to lose intimacy. And guess what? When you're in a scorekeeping situation, like, well, where's mine? Where do I get mine? I'm doing this for you, but where's mine? What you lose in that idea is you lose the ability to love unconditionally, and your love becomes very conditional. So anytime you're fighting for your own rights, now I'm not saying you're a doormat and you should be, you should speak your mind. You should tell people your needs. I get that. But I'm just saying the scorekeeping that goes on in marriages is so destructive to this love. So Lisa's not motivated because I gave her tea in the morning to do something for me. Her motivation is that she loves me so much that she wants to serve me. That's the way it's supposed to work. So when God set out to have this relationship with you, he wanted it to be based on unconditional love, uh, really a whole love. You see, John tells us also that God is love. This is who he is. And the reason we are to walk in love and serve him is because we love him. And if you're just doing it out of religious obligation or you think you're gonna get a ticket to heaven or you think this is what good people do, you're missing the beauty of those words, I love you. In fact, 1 John says it this way, we love, implying God, we love God because he first loved us. He lo- we love because he first loved us. So we're not trying to build a bridge to God, hoping our good works are acceptable to him, hoping one day that we appease some angry God and we get accepted and we get to heaven. That's not the way it works way it works is we receive a gift from God who gave his only son, and we receive it into our lives so that we can experience this relief of shame and guilt. And we can walk freely, and we don't have to be a slave to sin anymore, but we can walk with some sense of confidence that God's accepted us and loved us based on who he is. And, and we get to come to God because of grace and mercy, not because of our good works. We have so much arrogance about how good we are or how much Bible we know or how we serve the poor. And God's going, listen, all that really matters is that you love me and I love you. What's your motivation? And that's what I wanna be motivated by. I don't wanna be motivated by religious uh, ritual or tradition or a pastor telling me this is what you ought to do if you love God because I'll try to prove it. No, I wanna hear those words from God. I love you. I want those words to be music to my ears. I want it to drive me through my life. I want to live a healthy life, not bound by sin, because I love God. Not so that God will accept me. So I wonder today, do you hear those words? Do do you feel those words? Does it grab you like a chord of music? When God is saying to you, I love you. And I want this relationship with you. And I want you to love me. I want you to know how much I care for you. I see you. I know what you're going through. I know how difficult it is. In fact, God knows you better than anybody, even yourself. And he wants you to hear, I love you today. And you can trust him. So why don't you start focusing on that. Get up in the morning and say, okay, God, here's what you said. You said, I love you to me, but I'm not feeling it. And I want to feel it. I want to connect with that. So teach me, show me, and see what God does because God is saying, it's music to your ears. I love you, and I'm so glad he loves me. I really am. Let's pray together, and let's ask God to show us even more of his fabulous love. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for loving us that you just decided to love us, and you know what rascals we are and how difficult we are and how sinful we are and you love us anyway. So, by faith, we just accept this gift of Jesus Christ, your Son, dying on the cross to take away all of our shame and guilt so that we could walk in freedom. So I just pray that, God, we would not be bound up by religion or tradition or ought to or doing things that we should think we should be doing, but we would be motivated by love because we love you. We act, we give, we serve. We, not because this makes us acceptable, but because we are already accepted. So, God, we just pray there's many here that are struggling through their daddy issues and through the way they grew up and their traditions. And I just pray for freedom. I pray pray that, God, you would teach us how to not be performance-based in our relationships, but be more like you. Thank you for saying to us so clearly, I love you. It really is, God. Thank you. It's music to my ears. It's exactly what I need to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.